Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Got another great episode for you today. Today we're talking to Brett Weist from Tioga Rise Coffee. And, uh, you know, we don't do too many company endorsement podcasts, um, mainly because we don't want to put our name on anything that, you know, we're not 100% behind or we don't want to lead you guys in the wrong direction. Um, you know, this is a product that we use when we are out um, in Idaho on our elk trip. And it's something that we really like. And they're friends of ours, good guys. Um, wanted to get their name out there a little bit and uh, just talk with them a little bit, bit about hunting. Uh, they're from Pennsylvania and uh you know their their experiences in the elk woods and kind of how the product came about but um you know it's instant coffee and uh brett he said uh for any of our listeners uh, if they wanted a sample just to shoot them an email brett b-r-e-t at tioga rise t-i-o-g-a-r-i-s-e dot com and uh he'll ship you guys out some samples so uh really really great for uh for you guys to, you know, just get a chance and to, to try it for yourself. And, uh, as you see in the episode, we kind of talk about, uh, you know, finally, a, a instant coffee that doesn't suck. So, um, um, also want to give a shout out to our latest Patreon, Brad Strope. Um, he's with Valor Outdoors TV. So check them out. They're hunting channel focused on veterans and first responders. Um, and then our Patreon giveaway, I've had a lot of questions. Um, apparently, I did a very poor job of explaining kind of what Patreon is. Um, I, I know we did it on some of the other uh, intros and the other podcasts, but it's kind of like a crowdfunding thing. You know, it helps us out with uh, the costs associated with hosting the show and everything like that. It allows us to get some camera gear, get some get some things we're working on a studio right now to do some uh streaming um so you'll be able to uh we'll get back into the video podcasting like we like we kind of started um but uh yeah it just helps us with uh every day-to-day things going on with the the show and to be able to continue to produce this and uh can continue to grow the show um and so if you are interested in something like that, because we're like I say we're doing this giveaway for our Patreons, and people are saying like, how do I get in on that? What is this Patreon? If you go to our website, uh, if you do it on your phone, uh, it's podcast.com. There's a Bowhunter Chronicles guy in Arizona, um, but um, yeah, Bowhunter Chronicles podcast.com. You got to scroll all the way down to the bottom to the Patreon page. Um, it says donate with Patreon. Otherwise, you can just go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and then just search Bowhunter Chronicles Podcast. And why is that important? Um, so right now, uh, probably by the time you're listening to this, we already have done it, um, September 25th. So when this podcast goes live that evening, uh, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, um, we're giving away a bunch of stuff uh, to our Patreons. You know, they... They support us, and it's just uh, one of the things we're doing is quarterly giveaways. Um, this one's going to kick it off with um, and one of the new XOP Evolution stands, uh, some Vanguard binoculars, a Gearac bino harness, and uh, some of the, the tethered um, Versa strap minis that they sent us. So um, we're going to give that out to you know one of our Patreons. We're just going to do a giveaway. I'm going to go live on Instagram, um, like I say, like 9 o'clock uh, Eastern time on uh September the 25th. So we're doing those 
every quarter. So we'll do one right around Christmas time and um, we'll do that. Um, so that's just one of the things, like I said, I didn't do a very good job of explaining, you know, what it was. Um, so I apologize to you guys for that. Um, and, uh, you know, if that's not your, your thing, you know, no big deal. Um, like I said, some people just want to know how they could help the show. And, uh, that definitely, definitely helps us out. So, um, other ways that you could help, um, is just tell some of your friends, you know, if you heard one of the episodes that you liked, um, you know, or, um, there was some good information, something that made you laugh, you know, just tell a friend or two and, uh, that helps us grow the show and it helps us reach more people. You can follow along with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. It's all Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And, um, you know, whatever you're listening to this on, we've had a ton of new listeners, um, in the last couple of weeks as, uh, hunting season starts to ramp up. And if you guys could give us a review, we want to hear it all good, bad, any of it. Um, because that's the only way that we can get better. And uh, we appreciate every single one of the listeners, and we do appreciate it. And as always, enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Adam, John, and Frank back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Today, we're talking with Brett from Tioga Rise Coffee. Um, we met him through Jimmy McKinney and uh, Serviceide and kind of, we met up with them at ATA, and um, we're actually going to try to do a, a, a podcast at ATA, but man, you guys were super busy. You couldn't get any room in uh, edgewise, so how how you doing tonight, Brett? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, so doing? We're, we're doing good. It's unseasonably warm here, so we're all sweating, okay. uh, drinking coffee, you know, <laughs> and beer, but, uh, you know. Yeah, it was super hot today in Pennsylvania as well. So you're out of Pennsylvania. Give us a little bit of background on kind of, um, you know, what you do um, and then, you know, kind of your background in, in hunting and uh, and all that. Sure. So I'm the uh, co-founder of uh, Tioga Rise uh, Coffee. Uh, we, we, uh, we, we, we sell instant coffee only. That's our only um, product. We're not into uh, regular drip style or, or other other forms of k-cups or anything like that we it, we are simply instant coffee that comes in single serve packets um we just launched um june of i guess last year 2018 so we're a relatively young company um and uh, uh based out of central pennsylvania um direct primarily uh what we sell now is direct to consumer so it's all on our website uh, but we are getting into some other online retailers that, that distribute for us and, and, and maybe getting into some retail as well. Okay. And so how does that tie into the hunting industry and, um, you know, why are we talking to you today? <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. Yep. So, um, uh, born and raised in Pennsylvania, which is, uh, you know, so grew up a, a hunter, which is much like you guys are out of Michigan, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as you know, it's, I think Pennsylvania and Michigan are like one and two or neck and neck for like the most licensed hunters. Um, so obviously very popular, grew up with it, um, as a kid. And, and so the idea for, uh, instant coffee and how this all came about is I went on my first, um, a buddy of mine, uh, we went on our first elk hunt 
uh, first time hunting out west, first time elk hunting um, in 2016. And we did a, uh, a backpack style hunt. So, you know, in the just living out of our backpacks and, and all that for 10 days, we, we flew into Idaho and everything. And, um, and I, I'm an experienced uh, backpacker and all that stuff, but it was the first time ever doing um, anything like that as far as hunting goes. Um, you know, traditional, I, I'm, what I'm familiar with is traditional East Coast, uh, you know, style hunting, tree stands, and um, in and outs for the day, not, not you know, backpack style. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm a big coffee drinker and I was, um, we were out there in Idaho in 2016 and basically, uh, he and I were, uh, drinking some other unnamed brand that I won't mention. <laughs> um, basically just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, uh, why is this? It, so we were drinking instant coffee cause we wanted something that was easy and, and, and quick. And, um, I'm like, why? why is this it why why can't there be a better tasting you know uh instant coffee that um aligns with with you know what i like to do in terms of hunting and, and supports that whole industry um and fishing and outdoors conservation and everything um and so from there i came back from idaho and kind of got to work in in terms of figuring out the instant coffee industry and coffee in general and, and trying to uh, develop a better tasting uh, 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 product. So I have no background in coffee whatsoever or, or food <laughs> sales or anything like that. So it was all new to me um, and just uh, it was a, a fun process and finally got to the point where um, uh, my partner and I, uh, we we um, we found what we liked and then and went to market with it. <clears throat> and so on that hunt, I mean, so we, we were first exposed to your your product there on the same thing. So we're, you know, I guess the eastern style versus a western style hunt. It was our first time, and you know, I drink coffee. I don't know out of like um, boredom, I think. You know, it's not like part of my like everyday ritual or routine or anything like that. John, on the other hand, it's like it is. Yeah. I have to have coffee every morning. I mean, I usually make end up making a couple pots. So, and so when we were going into that, you know, we we came across the you know Jimmy's like, hey, we got this stuff. And we're like, hey, we'll give it a try when we go out there. And so I had some like. I had some old stuff that I had had from backpacking or whatever that was just old, <laughs> different Maxwell house or something. I don't even know what it was. And then John went and he's like, well, I got to get a French press and had the whole like other side of it. And then to, I guess, I don't know, make things that much more difficult is we were doing the, um, like the bulletproof style butter coffee. Right. Um, every morning. And that's one thing that I would drink. Like that wasn't like out of boredom. That was like, when, like when I'm at work, it's like, uh, you know, nothing to do. Like I'm just drinking coffee all day because that's what I do. Um, right. it's not like I have to get up and it gets me going and it's all of that. And it's like, well, 
fuck, I don't have anything else to do. I can't drink a beer, so let's have, let's have a coffee. Um, yeah. But we were doing that butter style coffee, and um, you know it was it was trying to balance that. And there's uh, Bulletproof makes like these little packets that have it all in a powder form, so it's already all I don't I don't know dehydrated. I don't I don't know how you dehydrate butter. Right. You know? <laughs> no, but it was right. just in a packet with mixed up. You just dump it in. So basically, that's what we did. With either I'd do it with the uh, I'd make my French press coffee, which Ended up being a pain in the ass. You know, you got to clean everything out. And you got one. I just had my jet boil. So, I was like, man, screw this. Let's just go with the. So, we ended up. First, Adam gave me a couple of these. Uh, I think they're prehistoric coffee packets. Because <laughs> the first one I opened up looked like it was it was all one chunk. Like crystals. Like, like well, That's what know. it's supposed to be, man. Well, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Because when the next packet I opened up, it was. It was powdery and looked decent. I'm like, wow, <laughs> man, this looks like yeah. rock candy, and I'm crunching it. <laughs> but so I'm like, hand over that Tioga Rise. Let's try that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we did our own, like, in the field, which one of these is better type type things. And, um, right. you know, with, with John, like I said, he just had the one jet boil. And so that was like he wanted to make coffee, but then he wanted to make breakfast, and then it was like – what a pain in the dick. Like, right. it was just so messy. And, it like, the amount of time that it took was like, geez, like, seriously. So, right. I don't know. What what were your, like, thoughts on it, John, as far as, like, the taste and flavor and, and all of that? Because it's, oh. you know, like I said, you know, de- uh, dehydrated coffee, instant coffee is, like, already has that negative connotation, right? Like, oh, it's instant coffee, so it's supposed to taste like shit. I mean, right, I think yeah. the the pack, couple of those packets were Nescafe or whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah. those tasted like ass. So, but then once we started with the the Tioga Rise, actually, I think I had a couple packets left when we got back, and I drank those, you know, just at the house like normal coffee. So, I mean, they were it was a hundred percent better coffee. <laughs> yeah. So during that process of like learning how to do it. I mean, what do you do as like a regular day job or whatever? And how does that transition into like coffee or was it just like a whole bunch of like nerding out and you were just like so passionate that you had to, to, to figure it out? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm going to, my day job is an attorney, so I'm okay. not like nothing, <laughs> <laughs> nothing related to coffee whatsoever. Other than the fact that I'm the same, like I drink it all day, you know, <laughs> uh, just because, that's the way I am, but um, yeah, no. So it was just like complete, like googling and and just trying to talk to as many people as I can, just to try to figure it all out. And, and you know, so many dead ends that you know, I'm like, what? Well, you know, this is this isn't going to work, and <laughs> just completely figuring it out from the ground up. No idea what I was doing. <laughs> So for guys that have like, like, like I said, we love to talk to people that, that all of a sudden decide that they have a, an idea, whether that idea is like a podcast or that they're going to make a better broadhead or they're going to, everybody's going to make a better something or other. Um, that's why we like to talk to people that are like doers, you know, so like one of the things that we've set out to do with this podcast is from like a regular guy perspective, inspire people to get out there and, and do something, you know, take take some sort of action um 
And so where did you find the motivation through all of those dead ends? And I mean, cause I, I guarantee you, if I was probably in your shoes, I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> this is probably, there's a reason that there's not any better coffee out there. Like, <laughs> right. I was, I probably think that the, the biggest thing was that I, I realized that there was a need for, for something like this. And, um, I, I really think that there's a, or thought there was a market out there for uh, that was uh, there was a big void um, for uh, instant coffee that tastes good and you know one that supported uh, hunting, fishing, conservation, and kind of got into that niche um, as opposed to like you know some big box brand uh, uh, instant coffee that might be okay. Uh, I really thought from a business perspective that there was. Uh, you know, a really good opportunity here to develop a product um, and fill that need. And I had always, uh, always have an interest like you guys in doing stuff and um, being an entrepreneur and, and starting businesses. And um, so, you know, that was just, uh, this was just something that I from identified from a business perspective. And um, it was interesting to me and it aligned with, with, you know, uh, my own interests. So that helps too, you know? So <clears throat> yeah, it definitely makes it easier if it's something that you, you want to do, you know? Yeah. Um, so from the business side of it, uh, you know, we had met you at ATA. Um, was that your first time at the ATA show? It was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, uh, what was that experience like for, um, you know, a being, a first time person at the ATA show as a hunter and, you know, kind of being in that environment. And then on the other side of that, as being someone that's trying to, you know, cause uh, like I say, on some level and you guys certainly weren't that like your booth was so busy and I mean, hell you were handing out coffee to a bunch of hungover people. So, I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was it worked great. <laughs> it was, it was definitely a very smart uh, marketing thing on your part, but, um, you know, every time I walk by somebody that's, you know, there were people there selling like beef jerky and shit. Like that was their whole reason for being there. And every time I walk by somebody like that and I have no interest in seeing them, I feel like I'm like pissing on their dreams. So <laughs> like <laughs> being on your side of the, being on the, the business side, like what did you think of it from like a consumer side? It's not a consumer show, but there's a lot of cool, cool stuff there. And then being there on the, on the, on the business side, what was that like? Yeah, from like a person who had never been there uh, to any kind of, you know, archery, hunting, trade show, um, you know, a non-public show um, from a consumer's perspective, that was, uh, it was a bit overwhelming just to, to see all the different products and and uh, all these people coming together and everything like that. It was just uh, definitely a unique experience for me that, um, you know, I, I, I guess I wasn't really prepared for. Um for it to be like that I, I don't but it was also it also feels the hunting community feels it felt small to me you know i thought it would be a little bit uh, bigger in terms of um the ability to access people and and the booths that were there and it really wasn't like that um you could pretty much go up and talk to anybody that you wanted to um which is kind of cool um and then from the business side it was uh, the response that we had was just you know as as you kind of said that we, are, we were busy so it was uh overwhelmingly positive and we kind of we were kind of um 
not sure how we would be perceived because as you said it's like coffee why are you you know what do you have to do with hunting kind of thing um so we had to explain that a little bit you know our story but i think it just uh helps add to the the marketability and, and and you know people like a story and things like that so um but the response from the copy that we handed out was you know overwhelmingly positive and we've had nothing but good good feedback from from that show so that was a really um i'm glad we went and uh, i think we plan to go again next year january so looking forward to that <clears throat> Yeah, we'll have to stop by. I'll give you two tips for next year. Your coffee yeah. was 10 fucking million degrees, and it was like <laughs> almost undrinkable. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit on the Calvin uh, 5,000 Calvin meter. So I don't know if you got that feedback, but uh, yeah. it was pretty It was Ooh. pretty hot. Um, That's and those... a good point. We did get a lot of people that said, you know, you could probably cool this or serve this a little, little less hot. <laughs> but it doesn't uh, need to be the temperature of the sun. Right, right. <laughs> they don't need any McDonald's incidents with the lawsuit oh, no. stuff. <laughs> Good point. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was great. And then the, you had those little uh, neoprene things, but the heat on that was cooking those neoprene things. So. <laughs> For the first couple sips, it was kind of like tasted like uh, plastic. So I was like, man, I was like, Jimmy, I took him aside and I'm like, you know, you realize that this is like like heated up polyurethane. And he's like, yeah, I didn't think about that. It was nice to have these. They have um, like almost koozies for your, um, like a coffee cup for like a, like you'd get at Starbucks, except for they were reusable. and But they were brand new with like the new printed ink and then they were heated up to yeah. 150,000 degrees. So <laughs> it was definitely putting out some VOCs. Yeah. 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 We, you know, these are the growing pains you go through. But yeah. You're it's right. A, it's All a good thing you're an attorney. Though, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, like, so from that show, and have you guys done other like consumer shows then after that? Or, uh, we, we did one consumer show. We did the, um, uh, the Great American Outdoor Show here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, okay. which is like super, it's like 10 days long show. Um, so we were at that and that was good too. Um, and then we went, uh, what did we, we went to, we went to uh, Denver in July uh, to a, another uh, like a trade show uh, called Outdoor Retailer, which is more of just like, um, it, it's not all hunting uh, centered it's just you know it's all it's more of like the backpacker hiking all types of outdoor industry companies there okay and so you keep talking about the outdoors and hunting and and having that sort of tie-in are you doing anything with like giving back to conservation or anything like that yeah so uh one of our models is a portion of our profits um uh we we, we donate back to a different uh or, or conservation efforts and hunting and fishing uh, groups. So, um, you know, as a new company, we're limited, obviously, in the beginning, and we hope we can grow in those efforts um, to give more money back and and continue to do that um, as we grow in size and, and, and everything. So, um, I, personally, here, I'm a member of the uh, board member of the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers of the chapter here in Pennsylvania. Um, as, and so, we try to be involved not only in terms of giving back money, but also 
um, our time as well, which is, you know, obviously just as valuable in some ways um, to be able to, to do that. So that's where we try to, to help out where we can and, and build on, maintain our hunting population and, and, and opportunities to do that. So Yeah, um, we've been approached by like the 2% for conservation and I've been trying to get in touch with them and get it set up. I guess it's a little bit different because we're like a business or a entity or something like that. So it's not just like from a, a personal standpoint, but um, you yeah. know, that's, that's a great, great thing. And for people that don't know, it, it is both of those things. So it's not just money. It's, it's a balance between time spent doing things like that and, and, uh, and money. So, so yeah, yeah on that, um, the elk hunt that you went on, you know, how did that go? How did that whole thing play out? Uh, that was, uh, I, I think we had, I think we did great actually. Um, we went with, so we went archery season. We went in September, um, right, uh, right around mid September. We had been planning it for like, you know, a year or so. Um, and, uh, the first we, we had two locations, um, that we had narrowed it down to in Idaho that we were going to try. Um, uh, the first one, we we definitely like. There was definitely we got on tons of tons of elk sign, tons of uh, elk moving through there, but they weren't there when we were there. Um, we only saw one cow, so we moved there after about uh, four or five days, and then picked up on our second location. And one thing that we uh, learned um, that was. We somehow we missed or didn't pick up on was that um, certain trails in Idaho you can use motorized like bikes I'll call them like trail cycles or dirt bikes or whatever. So we're the first spot we're hiking in like seven miles in and then this motherfucker on a <laughs> like a two two wheel like trail bike I don't even know what they're called it's like a dirt bike but they have big they're they're smaller and they have big tires. And, um, he's blowing by us. <laughs> we had no idea that you could even do that. So that was kind of a bummer. Um, so, so then the second location we went to, um, was, was foot access only. So that was much better in terms of pressure and everything. And, um, we actually got on elk then we got on a, 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 a nice herd and saw a decent bull and, uh, made a move on him and, uh, it didn't happen, but I was just excited that we, you know, we found elk and, and we had an opportunity for our first time doing it. You know, I was, I, I, you know, I thought it was a success for us anyway. Yeah. That's kind of like what we, uh, we ended up. Where do you guys go? We went to Idaho as well. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, they were on the bikes that went by. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we were on, we were on foot as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was, I mean, almost identical story sans the bike because the first couple of days there was elk tracks. I mean, elk pretty much walked by us in our sleep, um, yeah. but we just couldn't get on them. We were there in the beginning of, I mean, right basically the day after the openers when we started hunting and it was hot. I mean, it was 80, 85 degrees for the first four days and, and we were down pretty low. We weren't low down in the dark cool holes but we were like right in 
right no man's sp- land. Right, yeah, right in the spot where the elk were like, yeah, we're not going to be there for a few days <laughs> until it cools yeah. off. But we ended up getting into elk and, I mean, did did a ton of calling and ended up having a really good uh, encounter with a really nice bull, but it just didn't work out. I mean, we got him in around 60 yards, but there wasn't really a shot opportunity for Adam. But did you guys end up calling? We did, yeah. We, the elk were mostly quiet, though. Like we did not. I expected to to for them to be a lot more vocal. Um, for whatever reason, that wasn't happening when we were there. We, I mean, we did hear some bugling and we had some responses to our calling, but um, not not like I, you know, anticipated would happen. This, particularly that time of year, it was awful hot when we were there too. It was unseasonably warm. Um, it did cool off towards the end, which helped us a little bit. We had we actually had snow at one point, but yeah, uh, we, 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 we got into some bugling, so that was nice. Yeah. We, uh, we, I think we heard our first bugle on the fourth day, which was like Wednesday and it was just ended up being a spike and we, we called him and he came over and, and ended up the wind switched up on us, but then it was just a couple bugles and we heard like a couple more on, you know, between Wednesday thursday friday we had a few that we'd heard at night so then it was that saturday morning when we got up there and we had heard a bugle on the way up and then that one didn't work out we ended up blowing out basically a herd of cows and a spike and then we got up on the top of the hill where we were originally planning going all week and all of a sudden a bugle cracks off down below us and i'm like i didn't even bugle at that point so then i bugled then he answered back and then he wouldn't shut up. We're like, so then we we're confused. Like, man, this got to be a person because, you know, we heard a few bugles, but nothing like this. And so we almost, we actually sat down and had our lunch. And John was ready to play Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah. He like literally, literally stood up and said, "I'm gonna bugle Yankee Doodle Dandy, and if it it fucking answers back, it's definitely a guy." <laughs> and before I even got a, a note out, he bugles at me. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> then we ended up like, well, we better we better at least follow up with this. Well, what happened was it started trailing off down the the bottom of the valley along the creek, and so we're like, ah, it was a person because there was a horse trail down there, and it it was the Porter's Trail went back in like 25, 30 miles. So and it was Saturday morning. So we're like, well, guys must be coming in, and then you know they're. They're on horseback, horseback, just, bugling, just bugling, see if they can locate something, whatever. So it trailed off. So then, like, we sat there and finished our lunch, and all of a sudden, like, 10, 15 minutes later, it started coming back. You know, like, bugled, and it got close, and it was right down below us again. We're like, well, let's let's just pack up and just go after this thing. So we started side-hilling and bugling, and it started coming up. And then all of a sudden, we heard this other bugle it sounded like a dude bugling without a tube i'm like that's when i was i just stood up and just walked out because i was had adam go up about 60 yards in front of me and i was back behind the big tree and all of a sudden i heard that it ended up being a cow bugle is what it was but i heard that i was like what the fuck is going on these clowns are out (laughs) here and so i just stood up and walked right out in the open and then like not 10 seconds after that, that thing ripped off a bugle that there's no human was going to... It was like a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> holy shit! And then it was on after that. And we, we ended up chasing him down and 
man, he was pissed off. He ended up having a cow, cow with him, and I didn't see it, but Adam, Adam watched him, like, corral her up with his horns and just shove her up the mountain. So it was a pretty awesome situation. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was great. And for us, neither one of us having ever elk hunted, you know, going in there just from, you know, a little bit of information, you know, we got put in the area, but with in just the maps and said, well, this spot was, you know, it was a lot of like places circled on a map here and there. And, you know, whatever you guys want to do, go figure it out on your own. And, um, it was just awesome. And I can tell you like right now, I'm just like sick that we're not doing it. Like, I don't know if you've had the same feeling, but it's like, you know, it's September and like everybody's out like elk hunting and, you know, seeing all these elk that people are killing and stuff. It's like, Oh my God, another year. Like I'm like already planning next year's hunt like right now. So was that, was that your only elk hunt? Have you been back out yet? I haven't. That's been it. My buddy and I were just, uh, the guy went out with uh, last time. Uh, we were just talking this weekend that we we're planning, we want to go again in 2020. So hopefully we can make that happen. Um, cause you're right. Once you, um, uh, once you do it, you just want to keep doing it again. It's a lot of fun. Well, it's just such a different experience than, you know, like, like you said, like an Eastern hunt, you know, where you're sitting so in a tree stand and you're waiting for something to happen instead of like right. going out there and making something happen. Like, it's just like now you've got a whole, you feel like you've got a whole nother like skill set that you're just wasting sitting here. So it's like, right. come on. Especially watching all the people on social media. You know, we got Pat, <laughs> yeah. Pat and Amber out in Montana and Tom. Yeah. Tom and Sarah. Sarah in Colorado. And, man. I am I am going back. I'm going to Colorado this in October. I'm taking my rifle this time now. So that'll be a different experience. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that'll – I've never been hunting in Colorado. So um, uh, we, we're going the second week of October. So soon, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, just getting out there—it's it's just so beautiful. So um, logistically, right? So it's like a freaking—it'd be longer for you guys, but it was like a thirty-hour-plus drive for us. Like logistically, flying out there, like with all of your shit, like how does that work? How did you guys manage that? Yeah, I thought that would be a lot. Getting so getting everything out there wasn't so bad. We just basically took you know, our, our backpack that we're living out of our carry on and shoved as much as we could in our bow cases. Um, and that was pretty much it and flew out, flew out there with it. And that, it really wasn't like, I thought it'd be a real pain in the ass to go through, you know, TSA and all that crap with your bow. Um, but that, that was not an issue at all. It was actually really smooth. And, uh, there's like nobody in the Boise airport. So, you know, that was, that was, that was super easy. The only real pain in the ass part is you got to rent a vehicle. Right. And, you know, you're paying for that. That's where you really, you know, get hurt doing all that stuff. And and that's just a pain in the butt. But, um, logistically it wasn't that bad. Now we had, we killed something. I, you know, I may have a different story because <laughs> I, I feel like that would be a, such a pain in the ass to figure all that out. Um, and we really didn't have a plan for that. It was kind of just, if it happens, we'll figure it out. You know what I mean? So, um, I, if we, I would like to get maybe t- 
another guy or, or four guys to go out next year, maybe we could make the drive because that it is a haul from from here. We pl- we like to go back to Idaho, um, but I would prefer to drive if we could make that work. You know, <clears throat> it's just getting off work. You know, that length of time can be difficult, but um, yeah, it's almost like a double edged sword. You'd- you spend two days driving out where you could actually add two days to your hunt. Right. You know, but well, it was two dra- days driving back, too. So, I mean, that, you could yeah, actually. Yeah, so you had four, four days to your hunt. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, we drove straight through 30 hours, and it was, we ended up, you know, the last two hours of the drive were the worst because we're in the freaking mountains, and we didn't know it at the time. It's pitch black, and when we left on the, then you know the next week during the daylight like holy shit we drove through here and i was like falling asleep we pulled over a couple (laughs) times where you know we were both like hallucinating like seeing weird shit and colors and looked like the rocks were were moving (laughs) and then we we drive through there on in daylight hours like holy shit we're lucky we're alive (laughs) yeah you guys didn't drink enough of the coffee. <laughs> we <laughs> saved it for the. I'm yeah. just saying. I was drinking on the way. I was drinking five hour energies and monsters. <laughs> and, yeah. That's the other thing. When you make that drive, you're almost if you don't have enough guys, you feel like crap when you get out there, and then you know that that hurts your hunting as well. Whereas flying, you're you're kind of you don't feel so bad. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't sat in a truck for thirty hours. Maybe uh, fly out. And then rent a vehicle, a one-way vehicle on the way back. If you kill something, like, all right. Well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Why did yeah. you guys deliver the, the rental car in Pennsylvania? <laughs> <laughs> Why is there blood in the back? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Where, where, where's the body? <laughs> He's in my freezer. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty conservative out there in uh, Pennsylvania yet, so I, I think you'd get away with it. If you were driving to San Francisco or something, it might be a different uh, <laughs> different story. <laughs> More questions. Right. So Frank's been sitting here drinking the coffee all night, and he, you know, he had some of that molten shit at uh, ATA, <laughs> but I think this is a better... Uh, um, it's a better, better uh, example, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do like... Uh, 60 ounces before maybe noon every day, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's good stuff, you know. I'd, I'd definitely go after that. Yeah, especially, out, I mean, like you're saying, when we're out in the mountains, you know, I like the French press and all. But maybe for like an afternoon thing when you're not, when you're just, you want a fancy coffee or something. But for getting up in the morning, you're making your oatmeal and, you want something quick and fast and no cleanup, man, that was, yeah. and it tasted great. So, <laughs> yeah, that was our goal to develop something, you know, light and portable and, and certainly much better tasting was the, was the number one on that list. So yeah, the, the, I'm glad you guys like it. Yeah. I appreciate the support. The Nescafe cafe or whatever you want to call that crap. It was I was about ready to just take the packet and dump it in my mouth and quick swallow it like a bad pill, you know, just to get the coffee. In. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So entering into the the coffee deal. So like everybody wants to have an outdoor brand of coffee. Um some of it's good, some of it's not. Uh, and then 
to have the the freaking instant coffee? Like, what have been the hurdles that you've had to go get past, um, like for this? Like, what what questions do you have to like answer over and over again um, about you know what makes your coffee special or this that or the other thing? Um, right. Yeah. So every you know, like you said, everyone comes up with or most people at least come come to our product with the pr- prior experiences that are bad with instant coffee. So it's always like, well, you know, what makes this good or, you know, what, what makes yours different or, so, I mean, it's really a matter of two things that, that I think sets us apart is the, um, ingredients, uh, higher quality beans, better quality beans and the process. Um, just to kind of give you some background, generally, um, most instant coffees are made with uh, a lower quality bean. Therefore, a, you're getting a lower quality product. And the process that they use is, is a method that doesn't, um, it, it, it's just the most efficient, but not necessarily the most, uh, the, the best way to uh, preserve, you know, the, the tastes and oils and all that stuff. So um, most coffee is made with, most instant coffee is made through like a, it's called like a spray drying process, which is essentially um, blasting uh, roasted coffee at a, a high pressure, you know, that essentially freezes it and, and, or, and, and creates um, the fine particle coffee. And the, the method that we use is called freeze drying, uh, which is basically uh, roasted brewed coffee um, that is uh, frozen um, uh, rather quickly under very uh, cold temperatures. So it's the uh, it's a better way of preserving the tastes and the uh, aromas uh, that you would expect in a, a normal good tasting uh, cup of coffee. So. Um, that's kind of what makes us better, you know, is, 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 it's, it's really primarily two things is, um, ingredients and process. And, you know, that's pretty, that's, that's where we, that's where most other companies don't take the time to do that. So, and is that like a more, their way is just more cost effective or whatever. So they're, they're just trying to. Exactly. Yeah. Because it is, it's time consuming. Um, it's more labor intensive uh, to to uh, do it, uh, you know, the better way, the the better tasting way. I'll say. So basically, like most people are drinking just instant coffee every day. It's just like a convenience and a and an economical thing. Where you know, with with your product, like the guys that are going out west or even campers or whatever that want a good product are willing to pay a little bit more for, you know, for a better quality item, you know, so. Yep, exactly. So we've had to do a lot of, uh, you know, we've been trying to just have as many people try our coffee as we can just to try to break the stigma uh, associated with, that a lot of people have um, and associate with instant coffee, you know, that ours doesn't suck and it's, you know, better tasting. So that's that's been a big hurdle that we've had in terms of just educating people that instant coffee doesn't have to suck um and it can taste good so um 
it's kind of basic. It's one of our biggest challenges, really. Was it was it just basically through research, though, that you figured out the process then? Yeah, I mean that, and I mean it's it's more involved than than I'm than I'm making it sound. But yeah, that just lots of uh, uh, research and taste testing and sampling and trying different ways and um, and ultimately reaching a point that we were satisfied with the product and and decide to go with it. So if people want to try out your product, um, how do they go about doing that or where can they find it or, you know, how do they, how do they get their hands on a, a packet or 10 or whatever? Yep. So we are uh, direct to consumer all right now. So we only sell off of our, our website only then, or uh, only then a couple other online retailers. Um, we sell it in packs of uh, 15 and 30. Um, and we also sell it in single packets. You can buy it that way as well. Um, 15 packs are 19 bucks. A 30 pack is 29. And then we have to also have a subscription, uh, starting, you know, like a monthly subscription if people want to do that. Um, and then if, you know, if anybody wants, anybody listening to this podcast wants to get in touch with me somehow, uh, my email is brett at tiogarize.com. I'd be glad to, you know, send out some samples to people if they want to try, um, you know, no cost and hook them up and let them see that instant coffee doesn't have to suck. <laughs> that should be the slogan. That's what I was thinking. I was just like, <laughs> ours doesn't <laughs> suck. Ours doesn't suck, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so one packet makes, uh, well, how big a cup? Yep. So one packet is dissolves in eight to ten ounces of hot or cold water. Um, I did. I haven't mentioned that yet. So, um, if you are into you know cold coffee, it does dissolve um, in in cold liquids as well. So, um, a lot of people you know like to drink it that way too. So you can do that. Um, but generally, yes, we want we say one packet to eight to ten ounces uh, of of liquid. Yeah, and you know. W- one thing I didn't even think about with that, I mean, I didn't know that it did the iced coffee and, um, you know, for people that just want convenience, even if you're just like going out for an all day sit or something like that and you've got water and you're, you know, starting to get tired or whatever, you can just whip up a thing of that in your water bottle or whatever. But, you know, like when we were talking to Greg Litzinger, he was talking about like when he went out West and there's a lot of guys that are doing the no stove, um, type thing so they're not doing mountain house they're not doing they're, everything they're doing is just going to be cold cold prep, cold prep. Mm. um yeah. so that way you can still get your coffee get a decent tasting coffee and a, a good experience right um yeah you know something that's actually dissolved and you're not chewing it like john was talking about <laughs> um, you know just uh just with that so that i mean i think that that goes a long way as well too yeah, so sure. yeah you can at least get your caffeine fixed, if nothing else. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so do you have that information? So how much caffeine is in one of these uh, packets? Well, I've never had it tested, to be honest with you. But, I, I mean, it's it's comparable to a normal cup of coffee is what I would say. But it's not. I've never actually had it tested to see what the caffeine levels are, to be honest with you. <laughs> Frank's over here. It looks like he's having a seizure, so it's got to be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, are you all right? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Do you? Oh, man. <laughs> so what's been your most 
you know, you, you said that you grew up in Pennsylvania hunting, that it was your first, um, you know, time elk hunting or whatever. What's been your most exciting or memorable archery hunt? Um, most exciting. I don't know if I could pick just one, but I, you know, me, I love, I love Octobers here in Pennsylvania and going, um, uh, up North, Northern Pennsylvania, whereas I have a cabin up there. My father-in-law does. Um, it's, uh, it's located in, uh, Tioga County, which is, uh, basically the, um, is where I came up with the name for Tioga Rise. So that's the kind of the inspiration, um, is that that's where, our, where our cabin is located and where I spend most of my time uh, in the fall hunting. And, and so that's, that's where I like to be in October. Anytime that I'm up there, um, is memorable to me and, I just, I try to get up there almost, it's about three hours from my house. It's uh, probably some of the most remote country we have here in Pennsylvania. And, um, it's just beautiful. And, uh, that's, that's, so is, is that uh, public land or private uh, that, that's on the cabin there? It, the cabin itself, we only have about a couple acres there. So I hunt okay. primarily on a, a, a state state-owned land. Uh, which is about 10, 15 minutes away from where we're at. Cool. <clears throat> yeah. What's the situation like there in Michigan for free for all a public land? No. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have quite a bit. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. I think Jason Meekoff, he just was spouting back at somebody that said there's nowhere to hunt in Michigan. And I think he said that was like 8 million acres. Um, <laughs> he needs to come and, uh, Ride around with us for a day. <laughs> Frank yeah. will show you every single piece of public here in the yeah. well, in, in entire, lower Michigan and upper two. <laughs> That'll take yeah. two days. Like just south of us in the you know Muskegon River Flats, there's like over five thousand you know acres there in the public land, and then Manistee National Forest. There's, oh. I mean that that reaches from literally a mile from my house all the way up to. Just south of Traverse City, I mean, so it's like forty-seven thousand, isn't it? In the oh, one one deal, it's more yeah, than it, that. Yeah, uh, just in one block. Yeah, the, like continuous yeah. touching, but yeah, yeah. There's probably close to a million in that. I think. Oh yeah, but yeah. I know the one comes up, you know, like forty-seven thousand yeah. acres. You know, I mean, that's so uh, we have we have quite a bit of public land, but there's also quite a bit of pressure too. Right. I mean, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the spots. I mean, some of the stuff is pretty hard to access. So the, yeah. the easy stuff, obviously, they're, you know, well, it's a parking lot. <laughs> so All right. Yeah, that's what we deal with a lot of here. Like I, I said before, I think, you know, Pennsylvania, Michigan are, you know, one and two or top five or something like that for license sales uh, for hunters. And pressure here is, you know, you, you got to. You got to walk to get away from it. <laughs> so what's the terrain like up there? I mean, I guess when I think of, you know, the Tioga Rise and, and I guess I just think about maybe because we are exposed to it, like in the mountains, but is, I mean, and there's hill country in Pennsylvania, right? I mean, what's the terrain yeah, it, like up there? It's, it's, it's mountainous and um, very steep. Uh, it's actually home to, um, we call it the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's like a, uh, it's a pretty, it's like a gorge that run, cuts through the mountains. And so it's, it's, it's some of the steepest, 
terrain that we have in Pennsylvania. Um, very mountainous. Yeah. Not, not, not a lot of farm land up there. <laughs> yeah. We don't do a lot of farmland around us. Um, it's mostly marsh and swamp, but we don't have any elevation, so to speak, anywhere around here. Nothing like that. No, just no. rolling hills, maybe. Well, you get, yeah, you get up near 55 up that way. Right, up in Manistee. Yeah. You know, actual Manistee County, there's some yeah. pretty decent Do you guys hills. hunt private and public or mixing both? Or what do you guys do? Uh, basically public. I mean, oh, we've oh, yeah. I've got, uh, my family has 240 acres, um, about seven and a half, eight hours from us. So it's like a once a year type pilgrimage up there but yeah that's all the way up in the upper peninsula yeah, right. so that's over near the wisconsin border be, the, there's probably more wisconsin boys hunting your property than <laughs> michigan <laughs> and they ride bikes too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're uh it, it's eight miles from wisconsin and it's just one of those spots yeah. where I, you know i was talking to somebody on social media here recently and it's like you know to to go up there and really branch out on the public. Um, we used to do that a little bit when we had a, a, you know, when I used to rifle hunt when, when I was a kid and there'd be 10, 15 guys in our camp and it was really awesome, uh, Michigan deer camp type experience, but the hunting wasn't great. And then you were forced to kind of go out into the public land. And like, so my grandpa grew up up there and, you know, they had spots that they used to go to, um, but when you get up there, it's so, I don't know, you feel like you have all your eggs in one basket. You've got a week or a, a long weekend, four, four days or something like that. So to go and try and seek something out, it's a, yeah, other than like where you're used to hunting or like, you know, it's it's really difficult to be adventurous when you're on such a small, like truncated timetable. Um, so like this year... Frank's going to Missouri and then to Nebraska and it's like six hours to, uh, to Missouri where they're going to hunt. And it's like seven and a half to go up to our property in the UP. So it's like, I have a lot more, I don't know, bigger dreams, hopes of Missouri. Um, and I can spend a lot more time. I mean, I can spend just as much time on Onyx and break down the same thing to go to our cabin in the UP, but, and you know, the, you know, you might have a chance at a hundred inch buck or you know, yeah. something there. But just like we've said it before, like when we, we go to Ohio and hunt, we drive six hours there and you're in, you know, Adam killed a 150 inch buck there. Mm-hmm. So we're not, you know, I mean, and we, how many did we see that were like in that class? Right. right. And so, so it, it's, it's just yeah. a little bit different. So, I mean, we're mainly public land and we're within, you know, an hour, hour and a half of where we live. So it's, you know, easier to go out and do scouting and do some walkabouts and kind of get things figured out you know, a little bit. Then Frank, on the other hand, he just, he'll just go and, well, I went here once as a kid and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll, he'll shoot something. It's all, all public. Yeah, it's like our turkey hunt this spring. Is that your... Is this the first time going to Missouri? Is that what you said? 
Yeah. Uh, it'll be it'll be our first time going to Missouri. Yep. Yeah. Well, actually the second time. The first wasn't a very good experience. <laughs> that was that was that was a scouting session this, yeah, this yeah, summer it hunt. <laughs> it's a good thing. Yeah. I've heard good things about the deer quality though. Yeah, we our last episode here we've got a a good friend who's uh leased some property out there and um he killed like a two hundred and they're uh rules on their property i think is 150 um yeah. we're gonna be well, hunting public out there but, but that I mean, wasn't that wasn't his piece though he originally le or well he didn't even lease it they they had a 90 acre uh farm that the guy said if you do some work for me and stuff like that i'll let you hunt it and he killed it was it 205 yeah it was the 204 204 but this thing is just a giant like just a giant so it was a barter yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was. That was a barter deal. But And it's always nice to get, like, out of state, out of your comfort zone. And I, I don't know, just the same thing as going out west is I, I feel like, you know, if you're – again, there's there's no difference, right? Uh, then if I go up to the UP, it's seven hours. I should be investing more time into that. I should be – but it's like one of those, I don't know, comfortable hunts. Like, And so it's like, oh, we've got a nice camp up there where we can – sit back and we're gonna we're gonna have a, a deer camp experience where if you go out like when we went out you know elk hunting it was like all elk hunting all the time there was no like downtime where we were like well you know let's go over here let's, let's go, go let's go do this like there was no there was no and you know when you go up to the our property the up it's always like well you're we got the whole crew up here so now we got to split wood and we got to right. brush hog right. and we got to do this and so, I cook for them. So, <laughs> so you know, and the, and the same thing. Like when we went to Ohio, you know, everybody is like, you know, oh, it must have been nice. And, you know, you, my, you know, your wives or girlfriends or whoever is saying, you know. A vacation. Yeah, it's just a vacation. And it's like we got up at 3 in the morning and got back at like 8 o'clock and then still had to make dinner. And like right. finished your dinner like in your like I slept on the couch so I was like in my sleeping bag finish my dinner and just lay down and you know then wake up in a few hours and go back and do it like we were there to hunt and that was it there was no really relaxing there was no anything <laughs> until, until you guys killed your deer and yeah it was uh, 130 beers in one night <laughs> yeah well <laughs> six guys <laughs> to show six, them how the Michigan guys six do it. guys right. Yeah, but I didn't even. I think I drank two beers that night. So. Well, I made up for yours. Yeah, yeah. I had some beers. <laughs> I woke up. I had picked up a thirty pack of Bush Light and then, and got up in the morning. And it was like well, it's gone. The other cases are gone. Yeah, there, was, there wasn't anything. There, we left. drank every beer in the building. We had. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, I have a question about the Pennsylvania. Uh, say the public land. Uh, how much does the DNR get involved in? In uh, say you know food plots, stuff like that? Uh, there are some, uh, you know, uh, food plots that uh, the Game Commission uh, manages and responsible for, but it's definitely not, at least my in my experience, it's not a big investment on their part or something they uh, really, um, you know, are looking to do. I don't think they're that interested in it, to be honest with you. Do do you guys have to register your deer too for uh, when when they're killed? Uh, no. Mm -mm. Oh. 
Like check, like what do you mean? Like when you when well, you have to report in. Report in Ohio has a has a uh, number you call and you have to give the the how it was killed, when it was killed, where it was killed. You know, the the township, the the county, everything, what it was. You know, it what, oh, wow. what it was killed with. Reporting system, right? Like, you know, and that's a mandatory requirement for oh, for any deer. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean that's not something that we have to do. No. Uh, see, Michigan is the same way. They don't. <laughs> yeah. Now for bears, I don't know. We we they, you have to take them in Pennsylvania. You have to take them to a check in, uh, a station, a check station yeah. right away, and uh, uh, at least it, during the firearms during rifle season or archery season, um, separate archery season, you have to, I guess. Uh, call warden or, or somehow get in touch with them to figure all that out so they're a little different but as far as deer go no it's not yeah. not a, a mandatory requirement <clears throat> so on your archery season you said it starts on october 1 um like we have our archery season starts october 1st and then it cuts off at november 15th and our rifle season goes for from november 15th to december 1st and then our archery starts back up for another month. How does your uh, archery season and gun season work? Yeah, we pretty much follow the same uh, same pattern. We have a, a archery season that opens up in early October and then goes through, I think it is, the, that's that last, uh, looking at my calendar, I think it's the 16th this year. Um, and then... We have a uh, three-day, four-day bear rifle season in between, and then uh, and then deer 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 rifle starts up uh, just after Thanksgiving. Okay. And then we have uh, that that goes for two weeks, and then we have a late season uh, archery that opens up the day after Christmas and runs through. The first couple of weeks of January. Okay. So on that note, what uh, what is your archery setup? I have a, I'm shooting a Prime Synergy. I think it's two years old at this point. Uh, black gold three pin sights with the uh, the bottom one's a slider and. Uh, I'm shooting actually same arrows. I bought a bunch from when I went out elk hunting in 16. Same arrows from 16 Carbon Express, uh, small diameter pile drivers. And then I think, uh, well, I know the the broadheads that I'm shooting, they're called they're uh, tooth of the arrows. I think they might even be from Michigan or something. I can't remember where they're out of, but yeah, they're not uh, from Michigan. I think they might be from Indiana. Is that what they're from? Okay. Not sure. I I shot those. Uh, so when we went out to Idaho, probably the same story. Like you had to shoot a fixed, fixed blade. blade. So you're right. Um, yep. That's what I went with. And I mean, ha- have you killed a lot of animals with them? Say again. Have you have you killed a lot of animals with them? I I haven't. No. Um, so I haven't had. I think I shot one one doe with them so far, and I haven't. So I haven't had a lot of experience with how they. How they do? Have you? Well, it, so I got them last year, and uh, yeah. 
I mean, if I was like, I said it on here before, like, you know, broadheads that every company says that they're the best broadhead in the world. And yeah. They're the best broadhead until they're not right. So right. it's never your fault. It's always the broadheads fault <laughs> or, you know, whatever. But, um, last year I shot two bucks and they collectively went less than a hundred yards. I mean, I watched them both die. Um, so if I was the poster child for tooth of the arrow, man, they're the best broadheads on the, on the earth, but <laughs> you know, one of them, I didn't get a pass through. I, I mean, I shoot them in the, I shoot them in the back and the <laughs> neck and the, you know, I, I take Throw. the shot. My, my, I had a, I had this mentor one time, um, <laughs> He said, you know, you got to get a few under your belt and you got to get an arrow in them. And so that's, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of my philosophy sometimes, you know, you take the shot that you're presented. Um, so I shot the one right between the shoulder blades, basically. And, yeah. uh, it, it went 30 yards and tipped over. And then the other one I shot just absolutely perfect and nice. uh, it went 50, 60 yards and tipped over. But both of these deer I shot in water. And so there wasn't, I mean, I didn't have to track any of them. So I wasn't looking for a blood trail. I watched them both die. So I, I'm not a good uh, example either. That's why I was asking you. Cause I'm like, you know, I don't know about blood trail or like whatever it's I mean, shot yeah. placement was, <laughs> was key in my, my defense. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, they seem solid to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like you said, they're all, everyone says they got the best. So. Yeah. Right. I mean, they they tuned well. They shot good, you know. So yeah. Now his his my voice of reason over here. He's saying, <laughs> you know they, you know they're good. They're good. Huh? <laughs> I, I can't I yeah. can't I can't discount them. So all right. But yeah, yeah man. Um, really great coffee. I mean, it's something that I think we're going to continue to use. It's not something you know. If I'm the, our next trip out west, and you know, for for my trip over to. Missouri this year it's definitely going to be in my pack for for my all-day sits and and everything like that so what you guys are doing over there is great you know we appreciate you know what you're doing and you know not making coffee that sucks so <laughs> just cool it down do, bit, so. do our best yeah. I appreciate you guys having me on I appreciate the support and uh, let me know if you run out of coffee yeah sure. um when uh where can people get a hold of you like I said because it's uh you said you gave out your email. You want to give that one more time? And, and yep, you know. my email is uh, Brett, and it's B R E T one T uh, at uh, tiogarise dot com. Uh, at our website is uh, tiogarise dot com, and obviously we're on Instagram and, and Facebook and all that too, so you can find us there. <clears throat> awesome, man! Appreciate it. Yep. I think that's all we got for all today. Right. So. Good luck on your Colorado hunt, yeah. even though it's with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So. Appreciate it. Good luck with all your seasons, guys. All right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Good.